You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Tuesday edition, energy coming in. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the DNBR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DNBR whenever you sign up. Gamble on Summer League if you want to. You can place a bet on the Denver Nuggets to win Summer League. You can place a bet on them to win their first game. You can bet on anything you want uh, on DraftKings Sportsbook. You can even bet on baseball if you're really bored and want to watch a baseball game. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Matis, today flying solo for a little bit. Harrison Wind is returning from an undisclosed location. Um, he should be back in Denver shortly. I know he ran into some traffic slash bus incident um, coming back from the airport, but he should be joining us any second. <clears throat> um, vote off today, Dev off today. Eric still in Europe should be getting back here very shortly. Kind of we're going to talk about the Western Conference. I want to do a stock report and kind of go by every team, talk about some of the big um, some of the big moves that have happened in the Western Conference, maybe some of the big moves yet to happen in the Western Conference, and talk about where the Nuggets are. I mean, now that the dust has settled, and you can go back. If you missed, we talked about Bruce Brown. We did a quick emergency podcast on Friday. If you missed that one, a really good kind of looking at how we feel about the Nuggets after the free agency period, where we think their roster is, you know, improvements they've made or what have you we'll get more into that as the offseason goes on um, but today i wanted to take stock of all of the teams out west but before i get into all of that a little bit of housekeeping this week is going to be a really special one i'm really excited for it the nuggets the reason we're going early today is that the nuggets have uh summer league work workouts um and media availability today at two o'clock so that's our usual time slot 1 30 to 2 30 we didn't want to miss that so we'll be down there at Ball Arena a little bit later talking to some of the players um, and just kind of catching up. And then um, tomorrow, I'm not sure what our schedule will be. We'll do another show. On Thursday, we are flying to Las Vegas, as we do every year for Las Vegas Summer League. And this year is going to be a little bit extra special because we're going to have the uh, all of all city there. In fact, every single person on the NBA beat for Chicago Bulls, for the Phoenix Suns and for the Denver Nuggets, all under one roof. We got this like mansion out in uh, Las Vegas. It's going to be super cool. Super producer Kale's going to be there. We're going to be filming all kind of uh, cool content, one-off content, and hopefully getting some really great guests into the house, um, <coughs> into the studio that we're going to be setting up out there in Las Vegas. And this should be a really, really special sort of uh, week for us. So I'm very excited for that. You're not going to want to miss all of it. I know not everybody gets into Summer League. I get that. I get into it a lot. For personal reasons, one, like it's just a great chance. All of basketball Twitter is out there, so it's nice to kind of catch up with people you talk to throughout the year, uh, hang out, talk basketball, and this or that. But I even enjoy watching these players. You know, Summer League is not completely pointless. We'll get into this some tomorrow. 
but this is going to be I a majority of what I believe or what my opinion is about guys like Peyton Watson, Ishmael Kamagate, and to a certain extent Christian Brown will be forged in summer league, meaning this weekend. You take all of the stuff that happened in in college or whatever; those are important important data sets. But the summer league aspect of this is going to be so fascinating, and I'm really excited to keep an eye on those guys, as well as Colin Gillespie and some of the other guys who maybe are vying for that final two-way spot on the Denver Nuggets roster. So anyway, without further ado, we're going to have a lot of great shows over the next five days um, and some really, really cool uh, content on all of our platforms. You're going to want to subscribe to us on YouTube if you're not already. Uh, you're going to want to follow us on Twitter where we post most of our like sort of like content, that that type of content at DNVR underscore nuggets. Um, so you don't miss out on any of that. Today's show, though, is primarily going to be about taking stock of everything that has gone on uh, around the Western Conference. I'm not going to care about the Eastern Conference. It's just a little bit less important. Um, you know, obviously, we want to look at where is Denver? Where do they slot into this West here? And let's start at the top with the Golden State Warriors. The Warriors lost. All, and I mean this, all of their others, key others. Gary Payton, everybody knows I'm super high on. Nemanja Bialica, who we left the NBA. And Otto Porter Jr. Those three guys collectively made up what was their versatility this season. Gary Payton, lockdown defender, famously closed the last five games or for the last five games of the finals and was huge. It was huge for them. They lose him as a perimeter lockdown defender. And by the way, some of the players reportedly were not happy about that decision that they that the Warriors, who have this enormous payroll, didn't hold on to Gary Payton the second, which just kind of shows you. I know everybody wants to criticize different owners. Lacob has been spending like out the wazoo for this incredible team, both on the roster and behind the scenes. But even he looked at this and said, Gary Payton is maybe a replaceable player, or the front office did, and said, hey, we have to move on. Bielitsa has was a versatile guy. He didn't play a ton in the finals, but he was very useful in the playoff series leading up to it. And again, this is why it's important when we think about Denver using the Warriors as perspective here. The Nuggets some are the Warriors sometimes needed Gary Payton, sometimes they needed uh Bielitsa, and sometimes needed Otto Porter. And the ability to mix and match, those guys are what made the Steph Curry's, the Clay Thompson's, the Draymond Greens effective. And they lost those guys. Now, what they get though in replacing is they get Jonathan Kaminga, who gets another year under his belt. I think he projects to be better than both Bielitsa and Otto Porter in different ways. Not as versatile. Bielitsa, you know, stretches, obviously, can shoot the corner three. Uh, smart player, knows how to play. Otto Porter, same thing. Kaminga is a little bit different, but he is, like, athletically more, significantly more dominant. He's one of the most athletic players in all the NBA. And he's just a young 19-year-old who's going to take a leap next year. Is it a leap big enough that... When you get into a playoff series, they're still going to be title contenders, title favorites. I don't know. TBD. You also have Moses Moody, who I think is like one of my favorite young players. Super smart player, super high IQ. And I think he'll be another guy that, same thing, two, three years from now, championship pieces, no questions asked. Next year, we'll see. The Warriors have a way of developing these guys, it seems, a little bit quicker. I mean, uh, Jordan Poole obviously became a championship piece this year out of nowhere, you know, almost out of thin air. So we'll see. They have Wiseman. He's the one guy that I look at that I think, you know, if you look at sort of where they're vulnerable, obviously Kavon Looney did a nice job against Jokic, but Jokic is not worried about Kavon Looney. Trying to work in a piece like Jonathan Kaminga, if you ask me, is he an impact player in the playoffs next year? I would say almost certainly not. He's probably a negative playoff player to the extent that he, I would be surprised if he was playing playoff minutes next year. We just haven't seen it. He hasn't been healthy. 
doesn't seem like he quite picks up. Like he doesn't seem like quite a fit out there the way Kaminga and Moody do. And then they get Dante DiVincenzo, who's a really good player. I think Dante is going to be one of those guys who similar to a Gary Payton where like he gets his best year next year and everyone's like, Ooh, that's a nice piece. I don't know if he'll be as dominant defensively and as much of a culture fit as Gary Payton was because Gary Payton was like perfect, but he's a good player. So I look at that and I think, do the Warriors get better or did they get worse? Oh, and then by the way, somehow there's rumors and reports out there that he is that they are connected to Kevin Durant, which to me is just like, if that happens, they have the pieces to be able to get Kevin Durant and not lose like their core players. If they did that, I'm, it would be the worst thing to happen, in my opinion. It would be the worst thing to happen. They would probably run the table the way they did in 17, 18, and 19, assuming they stay healthy. And you would be talking about Denver's absolute apex year. So I hope it doesn't happen for the sake of the NBA, obviously for the sake of the of the Nuggets. Um, but I wouldn't rule it out. We'll, we'll see what happens. But as is, <clears throat> are the Warriors better or worse next season? One of the things you have to take into account is that Steph Curry is now at an age where expecting him to be fully healthy, it's well below 100% chance that he is. Um, Clay Thompson coming back from those injuries, like expecting him to be able to get through 82 games and a playoff run again, we'll see. And then Draymond Green, same thing. Draymond Green has been like, in, you know, he's at the top of his game mentally. He understands the game and knows what he needs to do to win as well, if not better than ever before. But he is definitely dropping off as a player every single year physically. And even though he's not a dominant like physical player, it does matter the, that he is struggling to start to finish at the rim. It does matter that physically he has to bang with guys like Nikola Jokic. And it always works this way, that when you're a superstar and you're at a certain level, you get away with, you know, we all know Draymond gets away with a level of physicality that not every player does. He's smart. He's really good. He's sort of earned that ability. But he's... As you start to lose a little bit of that, even the calls go against you a little bit. So I think that's one way where I think that they could drop off. That is not we're not fully talking about it. We're all a little bit over the hump. Harrison, it's good to see you. Thanks for joining. You know, I was just gonna chill back there and let you talk by yourself for the rest of the show, but I thought I'd pop on. <laughs> well, there you go. A new undisclosed location. This looks like um, the DNVR bar. It is. I'm directly above the DNVR bar, actually. Two floors above the DNVR bar. High above is, the street. Uh, people don't know this. DNVR HQ yeah. uh, above the DNVR bar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Coming very soon. So, Harrison, I'm talking about the Warriors. I just went through the fact that they lost Gary Payton, Bielitsa, Otto Porter. They're going to gain experience in Kaminga and Moody. They gained Dante DiVincenzo. And then they gain Wiseman, which I think might not be a gain. That might actually be a guy that has his moments but maybe creates complications for them throughout the season. So this is the final question. We can move on to the next team, but stock up or stock down for the Golden State Warriors next season? Um, I mean, it's probably just up because you're coming off the championship. Clay Thompson, I felt like the whole year was trying to get back to the Clay Thompson he was pre-injury. Right. He's going to be way better next season. Like that's their biggest add that's their biggest acquisition uh the the gary payton loss is huge like he, he was big for them but they'll find a way to find a couple other like high quality role players that play above their level just because they're on the warriors that's what they do like that's what the great teams do they, they find medium role players who play above themselves you know in that system so i, I think they'll be fine stock up for me 
I'm gonna go. This is I'm, it's the first one we're doing, and I'm already copying out. I'm gonna go stock the same. <laughs> this is like a a lateral stock. I do think your point about Clay Thompson being there all year helps. Um, you know, Kaminga, Moody, those guys are gonna have their moments, but I do think they lost a lot of their like. Look, what did George Carl always tell us? Veterans win in the playoffs. Like those guys, they matter. Bielitsa, even Gary Payton is a weird veteran. Like he's kind of a been around a lot. Um, Bielitsa, Porter, those guys knew what they were doing. Even Iguodala. Like I know Iguodala wasn't a major impact player, but that's a guy that they're going to miss just in terms of what he brought to the team. So I think they lose a little, they gain a little, but I think all in all, they're the exact same. They're a sideways move. Um, the Dallas Mavericks lost Jalen Brunson to the New York Knicks, swooped in, scooped him. Uh, they added Christian Wood. They added JaVale McGee. I think those are the meaningful pieces that they have added so far. I think this one is a pretty clear stock down. Um, but here's the one thing I will say about the Mavericks. Luka starts slow every year. Shades of almost but, Nikola Jokic. But have you seen the summer glow up that is coming out of Slovenia? That the one photo. I've only seen the one photo where he's <laughs> That's like. That's all you need to see. He's standing like this. And just, you know this, Harrison. We all know this. We have photos where we just the light catches us perfect where it's like, oh, wow, look at my shoulders. Like, oh, they yeah. look so ripped. That photo to me, everyone's like, look how good he looks. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, let's, it's, it's June. <laughs> like, let's just charge July now, I guess. If let's chill. that was a photo of Jokic from two summers ago, we would have oh. gone crazy as we did. We did go crazy. I'm telling you, <laughs> people don't understand this. The, the Jokic weight arc is much yeah. more like this. I think people thought it was like, oh, he gained weight. And like, then finally he, then he lost it. Like we remember photos from like 2017 where he looks so skinny. Like you'd get a picture of a black tracksuit with kids and he looks like the skinniest person on earth. And then he shows up to media day and he's like heavy as hell. And you're like, what the hell's going on here? So the yeah. Luca thing, the one thing I will say is that he is at about the age where players start to realize that the margins matter in this way. So Luca could be a significant, not significantly, but meaningfully better player next year. And I actually think, at his age, what player 23 years old doesn't get like meaningfully better? I it's hard because he's already so good, but Anthony I think there Davis. is a chance that he's meaningfully better next year. Anthony Davis, maybe. Uh no, I <laughs> I, I agree. I, I think he's gonna be meaningfully better, but like the whole thing with Luca this season was he was he started slow, like you said, got better and better and better was playing at the highest level that he ever has. And then it felt like ran out of gas a little bit. And looking at their roster this year, well, yeah, I mean, ran out of gas there for sure. They lose Brunson, his number two guy. He doesn't have a number two guy as it is right now. His number two guy is Christian Wood. No, uh, and Spencer so, Dinwiddie. Like, I still think Spencer Dinwiddie uh, is a good fit there. Like, that, again, he fills that role. They used to have two of them. Now they have one. So it is. Sure. A, it, it does cut it down. But this is sure. the thing. I, think I, I, the I just could see it happening where he runs out of gas in the playoffs because he yeah, has to do so much again next season. This is such an interesting take because I think it's the Jokic take. Next year, more possessions are going to go to Michael Porter and Jamal Murray. And most of those people think they're going to come at the expense of Will Barton. They're actually going to come mostly at the expense of Nikola Jokic. Denver relied on Jokic so heavily last year, and it works in the regular season. I think that next year, the opposite is true of Dallas. More possessions will probably go to Luca. Like there'll be, you don't have Jalen Brunson to kind of like take a playoff here or there. So in that way, I almost wonder if you'll rely more on Luca and it elevates your floor.
but it does certainly cap your ceiling as you're talking about in the playoffs. If they don't make major moves, I do think that they are more solvable than they were last year. And also, let's be honest, this is not taking anything away from what Dallas did last year, but they had a sort of good path to the finals last year. I mean, the Suns got COVID, you know, like <laughs> end up losing by 50 points. Like, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. It happened. Denver's had good runs in the playoffs and made it far as well. These things sort of happen, but I don't, I think that I would, they're to me the easiest stock down that we're going to go over today, or one of the easiest, I guess, second easiest stock down. Yeah. Like, if you're looking for a team that's, gonna fall a bit in the west it could be the Mavs right um do you like the Christian Wood fit there no do I like the Christian Wood fit no I mean Christian Wood is not like a real (laughs) basketball player when does bringing the heat today man the Christian Wood hasn't played an important basketball game in his entire career you know so we'll, we'll we'll see how much he's actually playing in the playoffs what about JaVale McGee I like JaVale McGee. I think JaVale McGee's good. I wanted him on the Nuggets again this season. Like, he was my ideal backup center fit. Is he a starter? No. I've, I'm kind of worried about him being the Mavs starter, even though you know, he doesn't have to do that much next to Luka. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I got a lot of questions about the role players in Dallas. Yeah, I mean, what are they going to be? You got Natila Kina still and Josh Green. Reggie Bullock's still there? Yeah, he's still there. He the fact that you got to start this with Nilakina. Well, I'm just Josh going in order. I'm starting this in, I'm starting this in order yeah. by position. I'm not starting that's, there. They still that, have that's not a good there. start for them. Davis Bertans, Maxi Cleveland. Like, they still have the same team. I mean, it really is the same the same squad with Christian Wooden. And Without their league. second best player. Is Denver better positioned to – we should go back to Golden State. Denver, how do they match up with Golden State, given their new pieces, given the new pieces on the Warriors? How does Dallas match up? Or no, Denver. That? Denver uh, match Denver? up with Warriors. I'm going backwards one. Yeah, I mean, way better. Uh, they've got a little bit more size, it feels like. And they've got better defenders. So, I mean, KCP on clay, it's a pretty natural matchup. Bruce Brown chasing Steph around, that's pretty natural. So, way better. Way, way better for sure. I think the ability to make them work is also just so important. Like Jamal Murray oh, sure. in playoff time should present a real problem to Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and all those guys. Um, you know, you hope Michael Porter Jr. makes defensive rotations a little bit easier. I mean, Yoke murdered them last year, but should be dealing with more spacing even even next year. So I think Denver, it's funny that we had Samus Fendiari on the other day and he was like, oh, I'm not worried about Denver. I honestly think Denver creates, I, I actually like the matchup with the Warriors right now as we sit. Like that's one to me where I'm like, I wish we could see that series right now because I think Denver fully, again, fully healthy from Jamal Murray. I think Denver might surprise people on how that one goes. Um, For sure. Just because Golden State won in five games, but at the end of that series, Jokic had mastered Draymond Green. And that was the only thing that that, like that series could have told us. Can Jokic master this guy? Right. He did. Steph Curry did come off the bench. You know, yep. so we'll, th- there's that, but he still played like 30 minutes, so we'll see. And he dominated the series in terms of on-off plus minus, so there's reason to be cautious, see, really, really skeptical, even if you are confident like I am. Um, Dallas, what about Denver's matchup with Dallas? Um, well, it it sucks because we never really got to see that. We didn't get to see that in the playoffs, obviously, and we know that's one of the big <laughs> reasons Aaron Gordon was brought here to guard yeah. Luka Doncic in the playoffs. I think Denver matches up really well with Dallas. Um, it's just going to be about like 
can Aaron Gordon slow down Luca enough? Can, can he make it tough enough on him? I think he could. It's just a, a, a pity we didn't get to see that last year. All right, let's take a break. On the other end, we're going to get into some more of these teams, including the Clippers, who I think are the most interesting team. Lakers, Grizzlies, Pelicans, Suns, Blazers, Jazz, Kings. Lots of teams to go over on the other side. Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. If you're not located in Colorado, that's okay. You can still find Breck Brew on the Breck Brew Beer Locator. That's at the Breckenridge Brewery website. Breck Brew also has seltzer, hard seltzer and lemonade seltzer uh, perfect for the summer perfect if you're chilling in a park perfect if you're just going over to a buddy's house this summer uh, so check out breck brew the official beer of dnvr also make sure to check out the good company hard seltzers and the lemonade seltzers that breck has as well at DraftKings sportsbook right now guys fire up that app if you got it uh, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer with tons of ways to bet on all of your favorite sports. You can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right. Make your first bet up to $1,000. If it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, much more as well. Check out the same game parlays as well. Check out their spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props. You can put all that into a same game parlay, turn a small bet into an even bigger payday. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Uh, so make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Make your first deposit. Get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code DNVR. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, back here. Segment two, DNVR Nuggets podcast. We're talking about stock up or stock down of teams out west. We've already got Warriors somewhat sideways, maybe up. Dallas down. Next team up is the Clippers. They lost Isaiah Hartenstein, my guy. They added John Wall. Um, they are also more meaningfully adding uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, presumably back to the roster. You had Robert Covington and Norman Powell who were added last year and are now retained, get a year more integrated into the system. To me, one of the most interesting teams in the NBA next year, and I think my sort of pick as what should be favorite, if you just told me every player on every roster was fully healthy, to me, I look at them and I just go top to bottom, man. They've got a phenomenal starting five. And their second unit is probably the best second unit in the NBA minus their center spot. Um, what do you yeah. make of the loss of Hartenstein, the addition um, of John Wall, and just of their roster overall? Loss of Hartenstein, it's something. He was a good backup center last year, but it's a backup center. Adding John Wall, I think that's going to be good. I mean, has nobody seen John Wall play basketball in two years? So no idea we'll, what he is. No we'll idea see. if John Wall's good or not. But like you said, just the existing talent there, I think, is enough to give them stock up with those guys coming off injury. It's funny you said that they're your favorites right now. I'm waiting for something to happen, like we get a Kawhi Leonard workout video or a Paul George workout, John Wall workout video maybe. And all of a sudden, the narrative is, oh, the Clippers are the favorite or should be the favorite. T 
to win the NBA championship next year. I kind of feel like that's coming at some point this offseason, like maybe in the next month. But this is like the we're just done with free agency. We're not even done. I mean, there's still some big shoes to drop, but we're, you know, we're almost done with free agency where we see the roster. So this is like a first impression. We'll do another revisited one of these right before the season begins where, yeah, we hopefully will get the chance to see if these guys are actually healthy. Here's the thing about how everybody views the Clippers. When we talk about the Nuggets, we're talking about Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray as if they're there. Are they more likely yeah. to be there than Kawhi Leonard and Paul George? I mean, it's every because like, well, I just we the way we talk about them is, oh, the Nuggets are going to be fully healthy. The Clippers, they're never healthy. Like Denver's odds of being healthy are the same as the Clippers now, in my opinion. So yeah. I don't want to discount their ability to be a healthy team. There are questions about how do you work in a John Wall? Like what what is his fit on that roster? There are questions about, you know, Zubats can't guard Jokic. He just can't. He's going to foul out. It actually reminds me a lot of Portland back in 2021, or was it 2020, when they had Nurkic, who did a good job against Jokic, but he kept fouling out in 25 minutes, and then Jokic just feasted. I think they are set up for a similar situation, um, and so maybe they're a little vulnerable. But that being said, their starting lineup is incredible. They've got guys like Terrence Mann and you know Covington and Powell and Mark, uh, Marcus Morris and Nick Batum. Like those are just more wing bodies that you can throw that know how to play, know how to shoot, know how to space. They just they have they're the wings are so valuable, and they've got like seven of the top thirty wings in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. They have a team that Calvin Booth would love. That's for sure. <laughs> like those are all Calvin Booth types of guys. Everybody six five to six nine or so. I'm with you. So for me, stock way up. How could it not be? You're adding yeah. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. All right, what about Denver? How do they match up? Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, they got nobody to guard Jokic. Uh, really, very few teams do. And um, <laughs> it's funny, like, I remember the Clippers, that one game when they just didn't let Jokic get the ball in the fourth quarter. And it was like this, th this monster defensive strategy from Tyler, who's a great coach. And, and that's what you worry right. about when you face the Clippers in a potential playoff series, like Ty Lue is a great, great playoff coach, maybe the best playoff coach in the league or one of them. Uh, but like Yoke still had huge games against the Clippers right. for the most part. Um, it's just going to be about getting the support. And that's going to come down to Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. Some of, some of Jokic's best games over the last three seasons have come against this Clippers team yeah. so maybe there is something there although again we haven't really seen them healthy for a while next team up is the worst team in the nba the los angeles lakers they add lonnie walker they add a couple they had actually a handful of players um but nobody that's like that meaningful i mean their roster is more or less similar um areas of major improvement in my opinion for them oh they added trey brown jr Juan Toscano anderson as well uh wendian gabriel damian jones <laughs> these are like these are names <laughs> These are names of players who are in Player the NBA. Um, the big thing is, last year, AD had one of the weirdest years ever. Gets injured a lot, but also when he was healthy, just looked like hey, something was up with him last year. We're getting the Instagram videos now. 4.30 in the morning, he's working out with Lethal Shooter. He's working on that jumper. He's serious about his game. Um, I think the Lakers have a major bounce back year this year, even though their roster is absolutely atrocious. And then, of course, there's that chance that they just get this ridiculous deal that seems to always fall into their laps where maybe they end up with a Kyrie would create their own set of problems, but as a certain better on basketball fit, 
it's this is the hardest team to project, but do you think they're better next year? Yeah, just because they were so bad next <laughs> last year. But their offseason moves don't give me a ton of confidence that they will be better. Right. You, you thought, yeah, the Lakers need, you know, they need some two-way wings. Every team does, but the Lakers need some, you know, a, a nice two-way small forward who's going to defend and be able to shoot the three and space the floor. I don't and they buy, go their out. Defense, and, their defense is like not good. Like who are their defenders? Well, that's what I'm saying. And they go out and get Lonnie Walker who I mean, he's, he's doesn't good. play defense. Yeah, so it's, it's just like, good. what what were they doing this off season? And then they have Troy Brown jr. Who theoretically can play defense, but he's doesn't really give you much shooting the ball or, or right. like creation ability. So I don't know what they were doing with their offseason moves other than they just signed a bunch of clutch guys, which was pretty predictable, actually. <laughs> but just because of how bad they were last year, they can't be that bad again. Can they? <laughs> I think Anthony Davis and LeBron are still really good. For some reason, they weren't last year, namely Anthony Davis. I think he has a bounce back year, and that's enough to sort of keep him afloat. The question is, they haven't fixed any of the things that made their lives miserable last year. And short of them getting a Kyrie deal or somehow like some miracle deal falling into their lap, I don't see it. And here's my question. I wonder is if Anthony Davis has a bounce back year, LeBron has a bounce back year or just stays healthy but plays like he did last year, and they're playing great, those two, but the team is still like underperforming. They're a six seed in a loaded West by, you know, January 1st. I do just wonder if like GM LeBron goes into – you know, like he, he's just done this every year where he throws little tantrums and maybe he misses games and maybe he becomes passive aggressive. He doesn't play defense and he's tweeting out like, you know, whatever. I just wonder if there is bust potential like there was last year where when things go south that they just kind of punt and LeBron's like behind the scenes trying to get out of there. Are you would you be more excited or more surprised if the Lakers won the championship next year or if they broke up the team next year, including LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Oh, won the championship. I'd be more surprised if they won the championship. Wow. I could see I could see a breakup coming. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's the brightest timeline um, for us all. If they get Kyrie Irving in a Westbrook trade, like something like that, yeah. and they just don't really get any other pieces, but you have Kyrie, LeBron, and Anthony Davis, and they have to go through a whole season with those guys and all the drama, and the roster is still not complete. Like You're still not talking about a roster that makes coherent sense. You just have three guys that fit together and are superstars. <laughs> is that a team that's like – a threat. Does Kyrie, that work Anthony Davis, LeBron. Yeah, that's a big time threat. Definitely. I know, but all, um, but with these other, and then Wayne Ellington and Lonnie Walker and Stanley Johnson, like the drop off between the third best player and fourth best player would be the greatest drop off in maybe NBA history. <laughs> yeah, but I think that big three would would be enough to get them in position. Like like that's a big time trio. LeBron Kyrie, and Anthony Kyrie Davis going to get along the whole year. Look, like, I, I don't know. Um, may, like, who knows anything anymore? I mean, Ky Kyrie and LeBron hated each other. Now now they're all good. Like, time are passes. They? Are they? It seems like they're going to be good. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. I'm not buying the Lakers. Famous last words. They always seem to, like, just be gifted things. You know, I mean, that's why you're a Lakers fan is because you just – it works out. And so I'm still waiting on that. Um but right now, to me, I just look at them and I go, could they beat a team in a playoff series? If you have LeBron, you can beat any team. Can they beat four teams? I just still don't see it. We'll have to wait and see. Um, the Grizzlies, Jaron Jackson, out. Likely to be out, it looks like, uh, you know, obviously all summer and I believe into the start of the season. 
Could be a Kevin Durant landing spot. They did lose Kyle Anderson. They also lost DeAnthony Melton. I mean, probably not a Kevin Durant landing spot, but I mean, they have pieces. Should they want to try to go after that? We know John Morant's been tweeting at, you know, he'd be interested in this. Um, so Memphis, Jaron, you know, injury concern over the summer, losing Kyle Anderson, losing DeAnthony Melton. Are they an improved team? And then, but the big thing with them is all their guys are at the age where you expect meaningful improvements individually. Yeah, you would think. I just feel like it might be a tiny bit of stock down just because they might have overachieved a tad last season and they did lose some key pieces. Um, like just trusting the Grizzlies culture and system, you think they'll just be able to plug like your guy, Jake LaRavia in there, plug a David Roddy in there. And those guys will be able to replace some of the guys that they lost. But I don't know. I, I feel like they hit a bit above their weight class last year. There's definitely – even Draymond talked about this, about when you're the young team, like, you know, you're not on people's radar and you get to be feisty. And this Next year they are. Like, next year there is a, hey, that's a team we're all prepared for. We kind of know. You learn things about a team, especially in a playoff series, what worked. And you start to attack their weaknesses. And I do think that's the type of year that the Grizzlies are in for. They do have a lot of guys that just bring it every night and have energy. I mean, I think there's something to your best player being John Morant, who's just like a fighter. Like, that's a guy that he doesn't take nights off. And I think that's an underrated trait for a regular season success is you have a guy that just kind of makes sure everybody's ready to play by virtue of just their presence. Like, you make sure everybody's ready. And they have a lot of guys that don't need that kick anyway. They have a bunch of guys. They have a bunch of dogs on that team. Um, I do think the Jaron Jackson thing complicates things. We know that it's hard to integrate it. You go through camp, you get going, you get a little momentum, then you add a player later, and it's like, okay, we have to re-establish our identity. And I think that's a – Jaron Jackson is such an important part of that team that I think that is going to anchor them a little bit. So for me, I'm going to go stock down. Also, Kyle Anderson's a good player, man. Like, DeAnthony Almelton, yeah. I think we can replace him, even though he's a good player too. Kyle Anderson is a connector, and that's a team that – kind of thrived on having a bunch of those types of guys that know how to do their role. Will they make up for it on the other end? I don't know. I'm going to say slight stock down, even though I still think they're a great team. I, so. I just don't know that they're going to be a two seed next year. In fact, I would bet heavily against them not being a two seed. Um, and then Denver matching up against them. I like Denver's ability to guard them better than they did this year. I mean, you have KCP and Bruce Brown now in the mix. And then on top of that, you're just going to put pressure in them. They weren't a good half-court team. Denver's so good at slowing it down and playing half-court basketball. And Denver's such a good half-court team that I like Denver's chances against Memphis next year if they match up. Yeah. I mean, Yoke dominates Steven Adams. Uh, and yeah, Denver got better defensively. So they'll be more capable there. Um, let's go on to the Pelicans now. Another one of the most interesting teams. If you ask me about the key additions, well, there's one that's as big of an addition as just about anybody will be making this year outside of the Clippers, and that's Zion Williamson. He'll be back presumably next year, although you never really know. Um, they get to fully integrate Larry Nash Jr. I know he came away over in the, you know, uh, at the deadline, so he'll be a little bit more integrated. Herbert Jones, um, phenomenal rookie season, takes a step up, we all assume, next year. And then Trey Murphy, He's the sneaky guy. Like Herb Jones took up all the attention. Jose Alvarado is the young players. Trey Murphy to me is a player that I really like. And he's a guy that I think is probably going to be a more traditional. Like Jose Alvarado is a good player. He had a good year. I don't know that he's going to have this meteoric rise from where he is now. His rise is most of his rise has already taken place. In my opinion, um, Herb Jones is another guy that seems to have like really surprised people. He was the steal of the draft, but I don't know that he's going to have another leap like that next year. He might, 
plateaued to some extent as he sort of fills out his game. Trey Murphy's a guy that I think will have a more traditional rookie season, feel out year, sophomore season. Okay, starts to put it together and becomes an impact player. So I like him. Um, Garrett Temple, terrible player, probably not going to play that much. CJ McCollum, more integrated into who they are. He'll play a lot yeah. more and a lot better. So I like this team. I think to me they're a team that is boom or bust because Zion's so weird. You know, it's so hard to plan for him. But they're a team to me that like on paper should make a pretty good leap. I could see them having a Minnesota Timberwolves type season next year where they're just that that sexy team out west that has like a couple of these big wins, you know, early on, middle portion of the season and get some momentum behind them. Uh, they got Dyson Daniels in the draft, who I think can be an impact rookie. They've just got some firepower. You know, that McCollum trade really changed the entire dynamic of this team. And you got him. Uh Brandon Ingram, Zion, like if, if those three can stay healthy, like I, I could see them, you know, being a, a six seed next year, being the five seed, maybe, maybe higher. Seven. Honestly, like the thing is young teams that have some depth, you know, they just bring it every night. The Zion part complicates this because we haven't quite seen it. But the other thing that you haven't even neither of us have brought up just yet, Willie Green's a really good coach. Coming off of a, a rookie season, like I think he's going to be a great coach next year, even probably even better, like more ingrained into that. So to me, that's a team that I actually think the Pelicans have. If you ask me what team is going to be next year's Memphis, to me, they're that they're the mm -hmm. most likely team that yeah. maybe ends up surprising everyone being a top three seed. I don't know if they're going to be a top three team, but I could see them being a top three seed because yeah. their pl good players are young. And I think they're going to be really tough to figure out in a regular season. Yeah, big stock up for me, though. Big stock up for me as well. I still think in the playoffs, very few teams make the leap from, like, where they were at last year right. to, like, all of a sudden we're, we're true contenders. Um, but but they're an interesting one. Is there any concern with Zion's return? And I don't mean health-wise because, obviously, that's built into it. But this is a team that, like, has not had a good vibe. And lots of things happen. CJ McCollum arrived. Willie Green arrived. I think those things are more impactful for the positive culture but I can't lie, man. That team was Zion and the supporting cast. And all of a sudden, the supporting cast took over and made a good team. Is there any threat that, oh, Zion comes back as great as he is, just doesn't like it, it sucks some of the vibe off out of the team? Yes, there's a threat of that. Absolutely. But Zion is just so good and such a vibe in himself. <laughs> Whereas the second he gets on the floor and has a 20 and 10 and five game on opening night, I think it's going to flip the switch and, and they'll be fine. But if there's more awkwardness like there was last season, uh, yeah, it, it could jeopardize the vibe. But, but Zion, you know, it, it's easy to forget now, but when he was playing, like, like he, he was the vibe. You know, I know, but I don't think he was like Brandon Ingram, for example. I don't think enjoyed being one of the supporting casts. And obviously, I think if there's a coach to do that, to pull this off successfully, I think Willie Green is is it or at least on the short list of guys who could do this. that could su successfully rope everyone in. But like Zion is the guy. He wasn't last year and a lot of others stepped up and I think enjoyed that spotlight. Now you go back to like, hey, clutch time. We should go to Zion. Like that's just a, it just changes things. Yeah. If he's good again, I think it's going to be fine. But if he's if he 
lost a step, it could be a little awkward. Lost a step. The guy jumps 70 inches. Um, but maybe he does. All right, let's take a break. On the other side, we're going to wrap up Suns, Blazers, Jazz, Kings, and then, of course, just kind of a rapid fire on all the others. But first, let's go to break. Guys, if you were not able to watch Nuggets, Avs, Rapids games this season, make sure to check out Evoca TV this summer. They've got Altitude Sports. they got AT&T Sportsnet, so you can watch the Rockies. They've also got other national channels as well. Evoca TV is also growing constantly. And adding new channels to their lineup, including DNVR. Yes, we are now live on Evoca TV with our own channel. So check us out there for your daily Colorado sports needs. All our shows are on Evoca TV on the DNVR channel. The service is now available in Denver and Colorado Springs. They've got Altitude. they got other national channels as well. Get set up with Evoca TV at evoca.tv slash DNVR. Evoca.tv slash DNVR. If you use the promo code DNVR, you're going to get $10 off your first three months. That's only $15 a month for those first three months. Plus a receiver, no contracts, no hidden fees. Go to evoca.tv slash DNVR to get set up with them today. Also, the clock has hit zeros and the Stanley Cup Finals have come to an end with your Colorado Avalanche defeating the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning four games to two. What has been an incredible season from start to finish, the Avalanche have brought home the Stanley Cup to Colorado for the first time since 2001. Keep the celebration going with officially licensed 2022 Colorado Avalanche Stanley Cup champions merchandise from FOCO. The collection features everything from apparel like shirts and hats and accessories to collectibles like player bobbleheads and plush toys. FOCO has got you covered with the best Avs merchandise period head over to foco.com or click the link below in the youtube description for all non-presale items use the promo code dnvr for 10 percent off again all non-presale items use the promo code dnvr for 10 percent off that's at foco next up next there up you is go. The, <laughs> next up is the timberwolves i know a team you're very excited to talk about um our guy, Tim Conley, heads over to Minnesota, and he, um, known for loving his draft picks, known for loving his guys, not big trades, not big swings. Well, he traded all of his draft picks and made some ridiculously wild swings. Rudy Gobert, the Twin Cities have their twin towers. Rudy Gobert now paired with Carl uh, Anthony Towns. They also pick up Kyle Anderson. You're looking at a starting lineup that could be D'Angelo Russell and uh, Anthony Day, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Ant, you've got Kyle Anderson, you've got Gobert and Towns side by side. You've got Torian Prince still there. Um, he brings in Bryn Forbes, which is kind of hilarious. You get Wendell Moore Jr. It's not necessarily the deepest team, but that starting lineup to me is, they're, they're the most interesting team in the NBA. I'll start with this one. Are you buying the Twin Towers, Twin Cities, Twin Towers combo? Like, does Cat and Gobert make sense together in your mind? it it makes sense from a stock up or down standpoint like i think their stock is up because i think they're going to be a better team um i don't know if they're going to ultimately be like a championship finals quality team with the twin towers but i think just generally speaking they're a better team with rudy gobert than they were without him. I think they're going to be way better defensively. Uh, like Rudy Gobert is just an incredible, a game-changing defender. Uh, I think Cat's going to be better because of it. 
And I, I just think they're definitely unequivocally a, a better team than they were without him. I love this trade. I think it's steep. I think they probably put one pick too many. If like, if you're just talking about the value of, of whatever it was, I, I think it was a little too steep. But the idea to me is like, I love it. Carl Anthony Towns is not a center. He's like Jokic. He's a different thing. He's this like seven foot utility player that can do a little bit of everything and is probably best from away from the basket. And if you try to go small and put a little guy on him, he's going to beast you inside. But more importantly, I love this lineup because the vulnerability small ball has to bigger lineups is primarily offensive rebounding or defensive rebounding for the small ball team. I think Gobert and Towns together are going to combine for like seven offensive rebounds a game. Like they're each going to mm -hmm. get three and a half offensive rebounds a game just with them. And then that's not to mention all the other guys that are going to be able to swoop in and grab some just by virtue of how hard it is going to be to spread out thinly along with all these three point shooters and towns out there, but also be crashing the boards with Rudy Gobert, who just gobbles up rebounds. I think that they're going to murder teams on the boards in ways that look, I'm surprised to a certain extent, more teams haven't tried this. The closest facsimile we have is another Chris Finch, Chris Finch team with Boogie and Anthony Davis. And by the way, that lineup was pretty good. We, Boogie, by the way, was on one wheel at that point. Anthony Davis checked out, already looking at real estate in Los Angeles. And it still worked out pretty well. I think this one in, in Minnesota is going to work out a lot better. Super vulnerable to some combinations to some teams, as almost everyone is. But I think we're going to see some games next year where they absolutely dominate good teams because they're such a curveball. Yeah, I mean, people honestly forget how dominant Rudy Gobert is. Um, like we, we've seen it, and we've seen it a little less just because Jokic has just really figured out how to beat him and just has no problem with that matchup anymore. But just watching Rudy Gobert for the last however many years in the West, like he is a top five defense all by himself. Yep, you know. He's like, so underrated, man. Like, I hate Rudy Gobert. Everybody knows I hate Rudy Gobert. But he's, like, a really good player. I don't – I think he's easy to hate, and then people confuse that with, like, oh, he's a scrub. And also, by the way, the part of why I hate him is because he looks like a scrub. He can't post up. He can't, like, do basic basketball stuff. doesn't matter. The stuff he does do is not sexy, but it's so impactful, and he's the best in the league at it by far. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think they're going to be a, a, a much better team – now, flash forward to, you know, the fourth quarter of a game seven in, in the second round. Are they going to be able to win playing that way? You know, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe. Um, I think it'll be feast or famine. I think. Yeah, I, I, I do too. Close so, the last three yeah. minutes on a 15 to four run. And there's going to be games where they get closed on, on a 15 to four run. Like it just. Yeah. If they're committed to playing that way, which I'm sure they am, seeing how they gave up so many freaking draft picks for this right. move. Um, it will be feast or famine. I I'm, I'm a little less unsure about like the ultimate ceiling of Cat and Rudy Gobert, but stock way up. I, I think they're going to be a, a much, much better team. What about um, let's go to Phoenix now? Oh, by the way, Kyle Anderson, I just. I love his. I'm. I love him as a player, and now him being there, you know, it kind of completes what I think is a great five man roster. And then, by the way, Anthony Edwards, like he's also at an age where next year, between years two and three, is usually the biggest leap for players, mm -hmm. especially superstar players. Like rookie season, sophomore season, 
that next one, you make a big leap. So Anthony Edwards, by the way, having like a team that defenses are going to be so confused by, he, I just think he's going to have a really nice year. I'm picking Minnesota to be very good next year. I think it's going to work out at least to a certain extent. I think they're going to be very, very competitive. I don't know if it works at the top levels. Nobody does, but I'm intrigued. Um, Phoenix Suns, hardest one to pick. I think the big thing is obviously the Aiton trade. Is he going to get traded now? Is he going to get traded in December? Um, I, either one of those is possibilities, uh, and obviously that flips a lot. The other piece that I think is a little bit underrated is Dario Saric returning. Um, like he's a good player. He provides extra versatility for them. Um, what do you? They're they're hard to project because we don't know what their roster looks like. They're also a KD destination. I think they're favorites at this moment by drafting yeah. to land Kevin Durant. Yeah. The deal would likely be Bridges and Aiton. That's a hell of a team, man. If they get that deal, um, what do you oh, make yeah. of Phoenix? I mean, it'd be a ridiculous team. Just not counting the Kevin Durant aspect, I gotta go stock down just because, like, the longer this DeAndre Ayton situation drags out, the less and less likely he might be to get traded or or to get a restricted he'll get traded. Free agent. He'll get offer. traded. The question is if he'll get traded now or if they'll try to do the patchwork. We're trading you in December, right? But, but if you start the season with him, like the vibes can get really bad right off the bat. That's an totally, awkward totally, situation. Totally. He knows the Suns don't want him. Yeah. Uh, the, the Suns know he wants to be elsewhere. So it, it's all depending on like, I, if I'm Phoenix, you got to trade Aiden before the start of the season, I would think. They're a team that might, I mean, assuming they don't get KD, let's just say if they got KD for Bridges and Aiden. That roster then all of a sudden becomes super thin in the, at power at center. Like Jokic, all of a sudden, I think dominates that series individually. But Booker, Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Denver's not stopping that. Like even with their bolstered defensive lineups, they're still not really making that big of an impact. I don't think anybody is. That that yeah. trio would get a lot of buckets. Yeah, the, the Suns are going to be throwing out a recently bought out DeAndre Jordan to guard Jokic in the second half <laughs> of next season. <laughs> I, it's funny, man, because they have built this identity as this two-way team, very smart, high IQ players. And if they got Kevin Durant in that deal that we just mentioned, I almost feel like they'd become an offensive, primarily ISO, primarily team. Like they're, they would yeah. almost become a dumbed down. And I don't mean they would be dumb, just that the game would be simpler. They'd simplify what they do, but it would be equally as effective. And more importantly, in a playoffs, like you're just going to have cross matches and mismatches with Booker, Paul, and KD nonstop and they would almost turn into the Nets in a weird way. They'd almost turn into a different version of Kyrie Harden and KD. Oh, my God. You're totally right. You're totally right. The Suns are just this beautiful ball-moving machine where they're just – like watching the Suns run offense is just – it's art. It really is. It's it was. But it could get really hard to watch. If, if they get Kevin Durant, because you're right, it, it will turn into the Brooklyn Nets iso ball. It would be a fun series to see Denver because Yoke really would just completely feast. I think Denver would score. That would be one of those series where it's like 125, 130. I don't think anybody's stopping anyone. I mean, you're talking about Bismack Biombo. Like, come on, man. Like, Yoke, first of all, Bismack Biombo's 6'8. Like, he's just way too <laughs> tiny. Like, Jokic will throw him through the rim. Um, yeah. But then on the other end, you're going to be spread out so thin that Yoke's going to be constantly like running out at KD in the corners. So it'd be a crazy series. I don't know what I would make of it. Um, right. But we'll part, see. Part of what I'm going to say stock down, by the way, with Phoenix overall. Yeah. I'm stock down too. Part of what made the Suns just such an easy matchup 
like for Phoenix against Denver last year was that, you know, DeAndre Ayton is a good defensive center. He can right. make Nikola Jokic work. Right. And yeah, Jokic had no help that series, but Ayton still played pretty good defense on him. If you take Ayton out of the equation, like that changes the whole yeah. dynamic and geometry of the series because Phoenix just won't have that matchup. By the way, we didn't talk about how Denver matches up with Minnesota. Somebody pointed that out. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. Jokic struggles against the two bigs. Like, that's just what he struggled against. If you think about Gobert and Favors, and then even if you go back to Dwight and Anthony Davis, the ability to put one body on Jokic with another body as the help side guy, that's how you guard Jokic. The question is, Denver hasn't really run up against teams that have done that when they've had the fully formed versions of Bones, of Murray, and of Michael Porter. So are you compromising too much that if you overloaded to that degree, Denver would just murder a not very good defensive player in, D in um, D'Angelo Russell? Probably. So I think it's a weird one. I definitely think they are harder to guard um, or, or like a better matchup against Denver than they were before. And I think that I never like going into a series feeling like Jokic can't be a hundred percent and Gobert and Towns together can make Jokic less than a hundred percent, I think. So it's always uncomfortable, but I still think, I still think Denver's probably better. Yeah, I think they're better. Uh, but, um, yeah, I don't think, like, I wonder how quickly Carl Towns would get into foul trouble, even just being the, the help side defender that's coming over. You wouldn't. You would honestly you'd make Gobert the help side defender, and you'd put Towns on him. I think that's how you would do it. I mean, yeah. that's how I would do it. Towns is just such a poor and undisciplined and just – low IQ defender where like I I'm still worried about that matchup if I'm Minnesota even though I have Rudy Gobert there and yes I definitely think that Tim Conley made that trade with the Nuggets and Jokic in mind like absolutely Tim Conley like building a team solely to go at the Nuggets I just, he's like so pissed he's like you know what I don't care if we win a title we're stopping the Nuggets um, the Blazers, they get Damian Lillard back. That's a big upgrade. They also added Gary Payton. They added Jeremy Grant. Um, they've got Josh Hart still from that deal. He'll be more integrated. I think the starting lineup is really good. Damian Lillard, Josh Hart, Gary Payton, Grant, and Nurkic. That's a really good one. They offered Anthony Simons that massive deal. Is he to be traded? I think that's a weird deal, honestly. I don't like Simons at all. Um, but they have a really good starting five that to me makes a lot of sense. I actually think Blazer stock is way up. I don't know if they're like, contender up but they're like that's a that's the best dame team they've had in a in a while i think they're not a contender but i'm impressed with the blazers offseason you know similar to denver like they wanted to go out and get bigger and longer and more defensive minded they had a lot more avenues to do that than the nuggets did just in terms of cap space um and obviously they traded mccollum for they got Josh Hart back in that deal, which is a piece that, that fits that build. Um, but like the Blazers knew what they wanted to do this summer and went out and, and did it and, and got Jeremy Grant, who I think is a really good fit there and got Gary Payton. If they can somehow get OG and Anobi too. Wow. Like a plus for them. I, I'm impressed with, with what Portland did, but no, nah, they're not a contender. I'd probably even maybe still slot them below Minnesota. So like, Seven seed, six seed. Territory. The West is tough, man. Like these teams are good. Seven, seven and eight seed next year, if everyone's healthy, is like a really good team, which includes Portland. I think they're going to be a good regular season team if Dame's back. 
they just have a lot of spacing and a lot of defense. Their their path to winning games is very simple. Like they they know what they are. Damian Lillard's going to score a bunch of points. Jeremy Grant's going to get his touches, and everybody else is going to defend. And I think that's a path to a lot of wins. I'm with you though. I think it's probably more seven seed, six seed than it is you know three seed, four seed. But we'll have to see. The Blazers are also the team in the Dame Lillard that always wins more games than you think. And I think a lot of that has to do with Dame's a really clutch player. And if you can just keep it close, Dame tends to bring you home. So they might be a team that's really the seventh or eighth best team, but ends up with the fifth or sixth best record. Um, but that's the best I can give them. Uh, stock up. And Denver matching up with them. In a playoff series, I think they have bodies now to throw at Dame and Lillard in ways that they don't. And if you told me you were going to count on Hart, Grant, Gary Payton and Nurkic to score on you, like, okay, that's fine. I think Denver's got him. So I actually feel pretty good about that um, playoff series. It, it, assuming Denver can guard Dame better than they did two years ago, which I think is a very healthy assumption. The Utah Jazz, um, Gobert's gone. They've got a new coach. They added Beasley, Vando, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Um, their starting center next year might be Walker Kessler. Um, maybe it's hmm. Adoka Azubuke. <laughs> Either way, Jokic is going to score 100 points on them. Um, they're clearly – they might be a player in this DeAndre Ayton thing. Like, I could see them trying to get him and just start over with Donovan Mitchell and DeAndre Ayton, at which point I still think it would take time to gel. But, hey, that's a good starting point. Uh, what do you make of Utah? I mean, like, they can sell this we're building around Donovan Mitchell type thing, but – you got to do something quick. <laughs> you got to yeah. do something in these next couple of months with all these draft picks if that's what you're going to do. Because as it's currently set up, Utah's missing the playoffs next year. Yeah. And it's probably not even going to be close if this is the team they're bringing back around Donovan Mitchell. I mean, Malik Beasley's like their third best player, right? They're now. not going to guard anyone. Like they were bad defensively last year, and you lose. Rudy Gobert, who was like the only yeah. thing keeping them up, like you know, Bayou. So they're going to be they, the Nuggets might score 150 on the Jazz this year. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm obviously way off the Jazz. I, I stock way down. I, if I'm Utah, I'm thinking about getting in the Wembenyama sweepstakes. And they might be thinking about that too long. It would be so lame for them to go from Gobert to, to Wembenyama. Like, come on, man! Like, immediately replace it with an upgraded version of him. Uh, I'm way down. I think if they were to match up, I just think Denver would actually smoke them. They're like – you talk about Donovan Mitchell or Damian Lillard. Lillard scares me a little bit more than Donovan Mitchell, and Denver's more prepared for that type of player now than ever before. On top of that, as we just mentioned, who on earth are they going to guard? Definitely not the Denver Nuggets. Um, last team I want to talk about, Sacramento Kings. All right, it's been a good show. Her. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Who's that? <laughs> We can probably wrap the show. No there. way, man! Sacramento is my sneak pick. Like, Whoa. you know, if there's an injury to a team here, and this way, like, they might be the team that like surprises people a little bit. They got Kevin Herter and Malik Monk. Sabonis will be more integrated. Um, I don't think they're a top like nine team in the West, but they are a team that could surprise people if other teams drop off. Just because you look at their roster and you go, okay, De'Aaron Fox probably better than his reputation. You could give him now Kevin Herter to space the floor. It's a bit of a two-way player who I think is really good. You still got Harrison Barnes, who's a solid player. Sabonis now more integrated into it. That's a good, like, top four. Um, and then you've got guys like Davion Mitchell, Malik Monk, Terrence Davis, um, Rashawn Holmes. Like, that's not a terrible second unit. Again, they're not great, but to me, they're better than people realize. Well, I don't think they got worse. I think they're better than they were last year, but – 
it's still not going to be enough to make much noise, I don't think. Keegan Murray had a good summer league game. Did you see that, Adam? <laughs> that er, early candidate talk, for uh, summer league MVP. Out, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, they'll probably here, – here's what I could see the Kings doing. I could see the Kings totally starting the season like seven and three. And then there's a little noise. And then you look up and they're 10 and 20. That's what I could see happening. Okay. All right. Well, they're not going to be, they probably won't be good, but I'm just going to put it out there that they're going to be better than Oklahoma City, Houston, and San Antonio. All right. <laughs> okay. That rounds out the West. So I'm just saying, you know how it is? Like with this new system, you're only going to have three teams that are tanking right off the bat. It's going to be San Antonio, Oklahoma City, Houston out West. The other teams are going to try. Sacramento may be the most likely to fall off, but I'm not saying they're the they're a lock to like we might end up finding the Lakers being the team that falls off or Utah or yeah. Portland. Even. You never know what team gets to Christmas and it's like, damn it, didn't work out our way. Time to reset. Um, all that being said, none of these teams to me, Denver is not good enough and has not proven to be good enough that I put them ahead of all of these teams. But they're also good enough, and none of the teams out West are good enough for me to say, hey, Denver can't beat them. So it's a nice place to be in where I legitimately think Denver has a chance to come out of the West next year, but I also think that they're probably going to have three really, really tough series to get there, um, which sets up for, hey, sets up for an interesting year. Anything you want to get to before we get out of here and head down to Ball Arena? Um, I'm excited for tomorrow's show is what I'm excited for. Summer League preview show. Like that, that, that's really what I'm here for. I am. I'm excited for it too, man. I'm really excited. And we're going down there now. I can't wait to get a look at Peyton Watson and Christian Brown. And my guess is Ishmael Kamagate will speak today. Um, He's like the one rookie that hasn't, I don't believe talked to the media just yet. So um, I'm excited to hear from him and really just get a sense of what's going on there. So I'm with you, man. I love summer league. I really, these guys, when we talk about the nuggets this year, we literally don't talk, even Christian Brown. We're just like, I don't know, maybe he plays. But I'm excited to get a look at them in summer league because then I'll have a better sense of like, does this guy have an immediate role or not? Yep, absolutely. Same, Can't with wait. Peyton, same with Peyton Watson's. Thanks for tuning in. Everybody hit that like button and we will be back again tomorrow with a brand new show. Check YouTube. Hit that reminder button for when shows go live because I'm not sure at this moment when the show will be. Morning, afternoon. We'll find out together. We'll see you guys tomorrow.